You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome into another edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City. Alongside Josh Taylor, I'm Chris Mack. We are getting ready for Steelers Raiders before we welcome in. The inimitable, I don't know what that word means, but it sounds really good. The inimitable Dave Sherapan from Las Vegas. I got to remind you, be sure to follow the podcast and subscribe to it wherever you get it. However you get it in your Odyssey app, uh, which I heard Michael K is not a huge fan of, but maybe you use Spotify. Maybe you use whatever you do, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, however you get your podcast, iTunes. Make sure to subscribe, download, rate, review. Get all the latest episodes on YouTube as well, the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, where you can see these lovely faces on your screen right now, ready to talk Steelers and Raiders. Um, Last year on Christmas Eve, this did not go so well for the aforementioned Raiders, and we got a Kenny Pickett performance that, at least at the very end, was exactly what the Steelers needed. Clutch. Uh, we haven't seen anything like that yet this year. And we bring in Dave Sherapan, sports gambling expert, writer, host, analyst, Pittsburgh native, proud Penn State grad, yes. and uh, for many years now, Las Vegas resident, to give us a perspective from out west on this game. Dave, I'm going to put it to you simply like this, because you're a no BS kind of guy. Right. The Raiders suck. Yes. The Steelers so far, outside of TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, suck. Whoa. We're going to get a whole lot of suck this weekend, aren't we? What is what is the, the read on this game? Because the Raiders aren't very good, but the Steelers should, I mean, in any other situation, should walk into Vegas and handle their business, but it's hard to see them scoring more than 10 points with this offense the way it's going. All right, first of all, great to see both of you. Second of all, yes, you can take the kid out of Pittsburgh, but you can't take the Pittsburgh out of the kid. 20-plus years now in Vegas, and the first time ever, that the Steelers are playing a football game in Las Vegas. I've heard from people from Keystone Oaks High School. I've heard people from Penn State, South Side, North Side, all the places. All the sides. I ain't got no tickets. North Side, I feel you. I, that's it. I ain't got no tickets. There's people <laughs> coming. I've been telling people for weeks. You all have wow. no idea about Inzer Nation, Steeler Nation, whatever you want to call it. They're coming. I'm picking someone at the airport today, 2.30. They're coming. The place is going to be 80-20. Steeler fans, the Raiders fans. It's going to be packed. Tickets are going for the cheap seats are a nickel apiece. In gambling parlance, that's $500 a piece right now. If anybody got them, reach out to me at SportsBK and say, because I can't find them, Mac. The game is going to be better than you think. I think. All right. 
So early indications are the line opened up, the look-ahead number, the Steelers were a point favorite based on what you said about the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Then the game against Cleveland happened. Mm-hmm. And we saw mm-hmm. what we saw. Everybody saw it. Offensively challenged. T.J. Watt, the best offensive player for the Steelers. Sharp guys, whatever you want to call them. I call them bag guys. They brought in the bags of money, and they flipped the line. They bet the Raiders. It's up to two and a half. The total immediately shot up because it was thinking like me. Who's stopping who in this game? Right. I think, Mm. I I mean, the Raiders got a lot of offensive weapons. They didn't really show very much against Buffalo. But, guys, I have a feeling they're going to score a couple touchdowns this week against the Steelers' defense. I feel like there's going to be turnovers. TJ gets a couple sacks. Maybe another, you know, scoop and score, fumble. I think the game's going over, C-Mac. You told me you you, you said it's a race to 23. That would leave us to an under. Yeah, yeah. What, what, that's it? That's all you got? Josh, can you help out here? Like, <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah, that's where you went with what? that? Well, it, I'm, it, I'm very, not... I'm just, I'm just very, no. very stunned that just that's the conclusion that we're all agreeing to is that we're going to all see this game hit under. None of us are expecting over. I'm, I'm kind of stunned at that. I shouldn't I be stunned, but I still am. I like over. I do. I, I think I think oh. we have um one of those games where not the guy not the team with the ball last wins, but I think there's going to be turnovers that will give the offenses a chance to score on short fields. I think guys, the biggest question we have out in Vegas watching the Steelers, where's Najee? And why mm-hmm. is he not playing? Do you guys have any insight into that? Because I legitimately don't. I was watching a game Monday night going, where is he at? He got two carries in the first half. What's going on with the Steelers and him? You tell him, Josh, they got no run game. They got no offensive line and they got no run game. I was going to ask you the same question was going on with Josh Jacobs. And granted, he's getting carries, but we're not seeing the results there. These are both, these are two teams, David, that we both expected the run games, well, at least in the Raiders case, to keep churning the way it was because Jacobs led the league in rushing last year in yards. And then the Steelers, we expected them at least take a step upward because we had heard about the changes on the offensive line. Another year of Najee, another year of Jalen Warren. But the results have been skittish at best with the Steelers, and they've been almost non-existent with the Raiders. I was going to ask you, what's, what's going on with the Raiders' run game right now? Well, that's a big question mark here in town. A lot of people are asking that, going, they are not built – to play from behind because as soon as they get multiple scores down, they completely abandon the running game and then put Jimmy G in a precarious position to get hit and make not bad decisions, but fast decisions. Mm -hmm. And when he does, that leads to problems for everybody on the offense. Now, Devontae wants the ball. I think that matchup's a nightmare for the Steelers. I think that he's going to have – like looking at props, Devontae receptions probably over. The yardage number is going to be a little bit high, but you know, that's the matchup that I think is the biggest danger. If the Raiders get ahead, they may they may force their their will on the Steelers to, to run the ball more, but they abandon it so quick. So I think that's as big of an issue as the ability to block and run the ball as the coaches just quitting on the run game. So what's crazy, Dave, is everything you just said about the Raiders offense 
is like a Mad Libs version of what we could say about the Steelers' offense, right? Yeah. Like they abandon the run game too early. They can't block up front. They're getting their quarterback hit a little too much, and he's getting skittish and making bad decisions at times, turning the ball over. And they have a wide receiver who wants the ball, who should be getting the ball, who's getting targeted, right? But just not getting the ball enough. The offense should be around this guy. And this is why I honestly believe this game is going to be ugly until one of these teams realizes, until one of the these play callers realizes, whether it's McDaniels uh, on the Vegas side or Canada on the Steelers side, realizes, okay, it doesn't matter uh, what happens? We've got to get the ball. We've got to pump the ball to George Pickens slash Devontae Adams. But we've also got to understand that there's a little bit of balance needed here and that rather than try to trickle-rate our way into three and a half yards on every single carry and running read options and jet sweeps, let's just ask our offensive linemen to punch some dudes in the mouth across from yeah. us and get our three yards that way and actually establish a rhythm and a physicality to the run game that will give our quarterback some room to breathe. I, I mean, could, couldn't that be the game plan for both sides? Yes. And I think, and I've been doing shows and talking about it on our own show, Boston versus the book, the lack of reps in the preseason has become a real issue. And we're seeing it across the NFL first, second week of the season. I think some teams are legitimately trying to establish who they are identities, you know, Steelers had a great preseason. Well, what does that translate into? I don't know. The Raiders really didn't. And it was very cautious. Let's keep Jimmy G in a bubble wrap and not get him reps. Josh Jacobs didn't show up until the week before the first game of the regular season. You know, so how do we ask him to just carry the ball 30 times a game if we're not really ready? So I think you're thinking right. The physical team usually ends up winning a football game more often than not on any level. So who's the more physical football team Sunday? I don't know who's the best unit on the field. It's the Steelers defense. Still the Steelers defense is the best unit on the field. So if you think the Steelers are going to win, you probably shade the under. If you like the Raiders, you're probably looking towards the over. I'm cautiously optimistic because I know there's going to be a lot of people here and I always root for the Steelers, but this business beats it out of you. When you sit there in the book and take bets for a couple decades, you can't be a fan anymore. I'm rooting for the Steelers, but I still like the Raiders. Damn it, I got to ask this question. It does perfectly, perfectly plausible. And one of the reasons, one of the things I am concerned about with the Steelers on the defensive side of the ball, and Chris and I have talked about this each of the last two weeks, especially in week one, facing a team like San Francisco, the, the nickel position and the inside linebackers and how they can defend particularly slot guys or guys lined up in the slot in the passing game. I'm going over the Raiders numbers and I'm looking at the injury reports and I'm looking at it saying, wait a minute, Hunter Renfro only has one catch in two games. What's going on there? Because I look at matchup problems and he feels like a matchup problem for me. He is a big matchup problem if he's used effectively. Right now, him and Jimmy G are not on the same page, or they're not calling plays to use him. He was tremendous for the Raiders last year. I mean, caught a lot of balls, moved the sticks. Those third and sixes, he got eight. Third and tens, he got 12. He was the guy that they relied upon. So I was, that was thinking that too, looking at it. And then in reverse, like where's Friermuth been? 
for the Steelers. Another guy talking about that too. Where's Booth? I love saying it. I love when the fans in the building say it. When I'm watching it on TV, that's one of the guys. The team that is most effective passing game between the hash marks in the middle of the field on Sunday probably is going to win this football game. So this, again, leads into why I'm telling you this is going to be ugly, but why I understand the Raiders lean here. Because they're at the very least, I think, going to get – and both sides, I think, are capable of performing better in the run game this week than they have the first two weeks. But I do think the Raiders have more opportunity there. And I think especially if if we get what – look, McDaniels may be a terrible head coach. But he still comes from the Belichick tree in that he will find your weakness, your biggest weakness, and he will worm his way in there and exploit the hell out of it. He'll rip it open. It'll be a tiny little pinhole in the back of the canvas, and he'll rip it open and let all the light in. And that's exactly what he's going to do when he looks out there and sees Levi Wallace on the edge. And he's going to start throwing that direction. And it doesn't matter if it's Devontae. It doesn't matter if it's Jacoby Myers, who's healthy and going to play this week. It doesn't matter if it's Hunter Renfro uh, being covered by inside linebackers. Uh, There are going to be opportunities for McDaniels to do what we saw the Patriots do for years to the Steelers, which is pass to set up the run. And that's what you're going to get. The Steelers are going to get thrown on until they're – finally throwing nickels and dimes out there. And that's when Josh Jacobs comes in to drop the hammer and close things out. And it's not going to, again, it's not going to be pretty because it's Jimmy G it's, 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 he's not going to hit everybody every time they're open, but it's going to be enough that we're going to look up in the fourth quarter. The Raiders are going to have like a, I don't know, 23, 16 lead. And the Steelers are going to get the ball back. They're not going to be able to move anything. The, the, they'll go three and out at some terribly inopportune moment. And the Steelers defense will get back out there totally gassed. TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith will be doing their damnedest to save the day. But everyone else will just be getting steamrolled. There's your game script. I just well, that's that's. Uh... You, can you send me the game script? I'm going to take it to the books here in Vegas and let them know that actually was actually too good. I didn't like the way that sounded. You know who leads you know the, the NFL in three and outs, guys? You know who leads the NFL? Raiders? Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, geez. I was, I was going to say the Steelers. Defense gets tired. Yeah. They got to get first downs. They got to sustain the ball. We haven't seen that yet. And then you just painted a picture of – the Raiders being able to sustain drives and drive down there. Josh, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I, jumped I, I was going to make a comment on the whole script thing because that's the prevailing theory going into the season, but I, I figured I'd leave that part alone. But on, on, you know, on the serious side of things and on the, let's move to the defensive end for the Raiders, this whole Chandler Jones situation without going too much into detail, there's a lot flying around there as far as what's going on with him. Yep. So I'll, I'll make this a two part question. One, is there any kind of, you know, window or timetable when they might expect him to be back, or are we looking to not see him this season? And then also because of his absence right now, what should we expect out of Tyree Wilson being lined up across from Max Crosby? Well, the mum's the word, at least in town. There's a, there, there's no mention of anything when he's coming back, if he's coming back, what's going on. They, they keep him very tight lipped. At least anyone that I know, I know a couple of the beat writers that cover the Raiders. They haven't said anything Two, the matchups. It may determine pressures, sacks, turnovers. That matchup, a single matchup, 
might determine not the whole game, but that's one that you got to focus on, I think. And I don't know if that means leaving someone extra to, to help with the Steelers. And, and that means another less receiver out in patterns, which means another less chance of hitting an open receiver. But C-Mac said that Kenny's good when he gets pressure. I admit that might help. I, I don't know. I, well, I still, you're talking me into the under. I started this whole <laughs> show thinking over. Well, and you're come on over. Me the under. Come on over to the under. We're going to well, be ironic right now. <laughs> Here's the thing, Dave, is again, they have, you asked about Muth, right? They haven't used him. He's got five targets in two games. Our, our Penn State guy, Pat Fryer Muth. Why? Great question. He can't block to save his life. And I get that. I'm fine with that, to be totally honest. I don't need Pat Fryermuth to be a great run blocker or pass blocker or any kind of blocker. I just need him to get out there in the middle of the field and catch footballs thrown towards him. Darnell Washington is the complete total all-around package at tight end. He's built like a tackle, runs like a wide receiver. So put them both in there. What? Why, with Deontay Johnson out, and you're down to... Pickens, Robinson, and Austin, right? I got nothing against Allen Robinson, another Penn State guy, we are, uh, or Calvin Austin, who's electric when the football's in his hands, or can be, but you don't need all three of them out there every single play. Get more two tight end sets, because what can you do with two tight end sets? Pretty much anything. I could line up and under center, and I don't know if you guys saw the Warren Sharp video breakdown from this morning, but he went into great detail about how 90% of the time when they're in shotgun the Steelers, they pass. 80% 80% of the time when they're under center, they run. It's a telegraph. Every single time, all they have to do is look at Kenny, see where he's lined up. They know exactly what's going to come at him. So how about this? Line up with two tights, put Kenny under center, and stop telegraphing things. You'll be able to run out of that formation if you want. Guess what else you could do out of that formation? You can pass. You can play action. Without even having to have a run, an effective run game, you can turn around Fake a give to Najee or Jalen Warren. It doesn't matter who. Roll Kenny out. Get him on the move. He was very good at that in college. And then you start to open things up. You're not simply asking him to take the snap. One step. Read. It's, it's Oh, it's covered? Okay. Now what do I do? Now I get my happy feet. Now I start going like this, even though I got a clean pocket, and I'll spike it into George Pickens' feet. No. Get the guy out on the move. Let him see the field where he's most comfortable seeing the field. And give yourself some extra blockers if you need them, even if one of them's Fryermuth, who ain't a great blocker. Two tight end sets. I've been saying it since training camp, right, Josh? You and me both. We both been talking about it. It's what we want. I, I want that. I want that two tight end combination. I want to see Darnell Washington either clearing out a side of the line to open up a, a run lane, or him out in the route in one side and Fryermuth on the other side, and, and kind of creating some kind of levels effect and making it making it harder on the defense and putting them in conflict. Have you sure. guys sent this down to the offices? Like, can you let <laughs> anyone know this is a really good game plan? Like, this is not – I like the sound of all of this. And I learned so much from Warren about, you know, 12 personnel and two, 21 personnel and all these other things. Let's line up two tight ends yeah, and run yep. the ball. And then when they think we're going to run it, we pass it, we score points. Like that the- was- like the old days, Dave, Randy Grossman and Benny Cunningham, two tight ends. Oh, get them out on a field, huh? Man. You like oh, that? Don't get me started. I mean, that was <laughs> that was when everything was clicking. I was a little kid, you know, here we go, Steelers, here we go. And, you know, I got a feeling we're going to the Super Bowl, all those things. 
you're getting me emotionally connected again. That's uh, good. That, I like that. That, that was Thank the whole you. point. I wanted to tug at the heartstrings, and I think I'll connective. Good. All it. right, man. We appreciate you taking a couple minutes to join us and give us the Vegas perspective on things, both from the, the book's perspective as well as the Raiders' perspective. Are you coming out or not? Am I picking you up Sunday morning or what? You can't get us tickets. Why would we come? I'll get you two tickets. I'll get you tickets. I, I wish, man. I wish. I, I got a, I got a couple, a couple of little ones here to keep an eye on. So otherwise, I'd be there. Well, you can bring plus, them. We'll leave them at the house. Josh. Plus, I, the, I've already I have the wife babysit them. I, I already have a mandate. I'm not allowed to come back out to Vegas without the wife present. So, because my last yeah. two trips, I was with the guy. So she's like, if you're going, you got to bring me. So, that's that. That's a very common thing, actually. Yeah, yeah. I got to pick my spots wisely. wisely. Very wisely. Good job. Exactly. All right, man. Hey, thanks again, Dave. We appreciate the time, dude. See you guys. Appreciate you, Dave. See you, man. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Great stuff from our buddy Dave Sherapin, Pittsburgh native, uh, out in Vegas with, like I said, the view from both the book's angle as well as the Raiders' angle here on 4th Down in the Steel City. And, I mean, we're going to build the game plan now, building the game plan, brought to you by your company sponsor name here. Perhaps you're a contractor or a building company or store. I I don't know. You might just be a mom-and-pop hardware store. However you are, and no, whoever you are and however you do it, you're helping us build the game plan here on 4th Down of the Steel City. That's my radio voice, everybody. I'm Chris Mack. He's Josh Taylor. And in all seriousness, Josh, like we just kind of laid it out how things could look on Sunday night. I think the biggest concern for me on the defensive side of the ball, because the concerns are many on the offensive side of the ball, and we can kind of work backwards here a little bit, I think. Um, The biggest concern for me on the defensive side of the ball is that there are too many weapons for the Raiders. Um, You know, you you brought up Hunter Renfro, uh, how clutch he was for the Raiders at times last year. They bring in Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams. We know how good he is. He's healthy enough. He's going to be available. That right there, three weapons. Um, I don't think I even got to mentioning, who's their tight end? Austin Hooper. Um, Austin Hooper, and then they got the rookie Michael Mayer too. And that was one of the questions that I didn't get around to with Dave. Yeah, so you've got multiple tight ends, multiple wide receivers. you got a tailback that led the league in rushing a year ago. Um, there's a million and one reasons that, you know, this could be trouble. This Steelers defense has given up, I think, more rushing yards than almost anyone in the league so far this year. They might it's have close. given up the most it's rushing close. yards, yeah. Um, and so we, we could be as ecstatic as we were Monday night and still are about the performance uh, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt had those two can't be the entire defense. We can try, like you always say, we can build the plane out of uh, out of Ooh. Alex Highsmith and TJ TJ Watt, but I don't think that's enough, even against this somewhat mediocre Raiders offense, because two reasons: one, the skill position weapons available to them, and two. Josh McDaniels knows how to manage, like I said, in a Belichickian way, your biggest weakness, even if it's a tiny little pinhole in the in the canopy, he will shove his pinky in there and I'm doing like the Lewis Blackfinger now. Uh, <laughs> shove his pinky in there and then just rip the hole open until it's a gaping maw 
and there's just light pouring in. Um, he'll do that. He, he knows how to exploit the weaknesses. And so your strengths can be your strengths. Watt, Highsmith. And there's still not enough to win the game for you. I'm trying to conceal my laughter because the first thing I thought about with you with the fingers or you're talking about <laughs> holes. Why was I thinking about the scene from Goonies where Mouth had like stuck his hole through the picture and he's like, hey, give me a kiss. I'm sorry. My brain went there and I couldn't conceal my laughter. Like I'm showing my age again. Gen Xers, elder millennials, you know what we're talking about. Yes. But to your point, I, I'll, I'll mention two things. And Dave hit on one of them already. He talked about how Josh Jacobs didn't report to the team until late in the preseason. So there's there's kind of that dynamic. And maybe that's why we haven't seen a lot from that unit yet. Mm -hmm. But there's the other side of the coin. We saw this defense get lit up by Christian McCaffrey against San Francisco. We saw this defense in the first half get lit up by Nick Chubb, and then in the second half get lit up by Jerome Ford against Cleveland. And in both games, they gave up huge runs for touchdowns. So now you're telling me we get to week three against the Raiders and they're at home on national TV, and maybe Josh Jacobs at some point could figure out a rhythm yeah. with this offensive line in this offense facing a Steelers defense that hasn't stopped anyone yet, much less the defending rushing champion? That sounds like a problem to me. And if there's a time for the Raiders to figure things out up front in the run game, now seems like as good of a time as any. Yeah, and, and that's just up front in the run game, as you referenced there. Uh, again, I come back to the guys on the edge. Like, and yeah. leave, leave, look, we spent a, a, a good amount of time talking about it the last couple of weeks, but like Joey Porter's got to be more involved. And you know what? Yes. If he goes down in flames, fine, so be it. If he gets called for pass interference uh, half a dozen times, so be it. Let the kid get out there and play because I think at the very least, he's going to put up more physical resistance, literally more physical resistance than Levi Wallace. Uh, Wallace and Peterson, as much as they may be handling, or at least Peterson is handling man coverage in zone, they're playing so far off the ball, Josh, that guys are walking off the line of scrimmage wide open. And guy, Wallace and Peterson are both giving them seven, eight yards of cushion. And Jimmy G will take advantage of that. Like, Jimmy G will not be tempted to sit there and wait to go over the top. He'll pick you apart six yards at a time with little dink and dunkers. Because, again, McDaniels knows how to do this. He knows how to exploit your weaknesses and turn them into even bigger weaknesses. Joey Porter Jr., you put him out there against... Maybe not Devontae Adams, but, you know, put Pat Pete on Devontae Adams and, and let him work that side. Put him out there against Jacoby Myers. Right. And, and, and let him get physical with him. And trust your corners. Stop playing this off-ball zone where everything is so soft. The team is built, not just on the offensive side, again, which we'll get to, and we've talked about plenty, but on the defensive side, you should be built around physicality. You should be. That that should be the hallmark of this defense. At least that's what I think Mike Tomlin wants it to be. And that's yet what, that's what the offseason felt like. That's, that's what, what they keep telling like. us, right? Yeah. yeah. And and yet here we are playing off ball, you know, seven and eight yard cushion zones rather than using the man coverage experts we have on the edges and getting physical with receivers, jamming them up so that our slot corners and our safeties and our linebackers they can be a little more liberal with their coverages on the inside. Then um, it, it just, it strikes me that this, this defense is prime for the plucking, not to the tune of like a 300 yard game for Jimmy Garoppolo or anything like that. It doesn't even have to be a, 
a hundred yard game for Jacobs on the ground, to be quite honest. It doesn't. No. All it's got to be is like a 80 yard day for Jacobs on like 16 or 17 carries and like a 220, 225 kind of game for Jimmy G with a couple of touchdowns and minimize the turnovers. And there it is. The Raiders are going to win this thing 24 to 16, 24 to 13. All they have to be, Chris, is efficient. Now, here's one thing. I'm glad you mentioned turnovers. Here's a really weird thing about the Raiders. Their offense has turned the ball over four times already this season. The defense has not forced any. Mm. That is very strange. For for one game, not strange. For two games, that starts to get a little bit weird. And uh, you look yeah. at that and say, well, you know, you figure that's not going to last forever. Now, granted, they, have, they lost one fumble, but Jimmy G has three interceptions. So you, you remember that in the back of your mind and you go, well, what's the best way for this unit to maybe force some things to happen in the turnover game? You're going to have to put Jimmy Garoppolo under pressure. And it comes right back yeah. around those kids guys we're talking about. It comes back to TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. It's going to come down to those two guys. And if you can beat five guys with four in your pass rush, it makes it a lot easier for the guys on the back end because now you got seven guys back there. If you're if they're not all occupying people, at least you got hopefully you got some guys occupy, occupying people and a couple guys occupying space and making yeah. it harder for Jimmy G to find a window in that short period of time. And Dave talked about it. When you make them one-dimensional, they're going to be a lot harder to beat. So if you can find a way to get pressure on Jimmy G with just four four guys up front, or if you want to get an extra DB back there, maybe even with three guys. But those edge guys can be as active as they were against Cleveland. I think it makes it a little bit harder, and that's probably your best bet because if I got to rely on this defensive backfield to either match up with guys man-to-man or you know maybe occupy enough space to make it hard to find windows mm-hmm. open, I don't think it's going to happen for 60 whole minutes, especially if you got an offense that can't seem to stay on the field long enough for the defense to get a breather. It's really going to make it hard to do that. So, yeah, that's kind of where I feel about that. And it it does come down to, you know, you mentioned it. Can can you make the right adjustments in coverage? And also, can can you put the pass rush together to be as efficient as it was last week and maybe ease that job for the guys on the back end in coverage? Yeah, because here's the thing. It, we've seen it once now against Cleveland that your your pass rush can win you a football game. Um, now that was an otherworldly uh, performance, but yeah, I, I think it is possible against less than great quarterbacks. Um, it's possible against a Garoppolo. It's possible next week against a Stroud. Um, it's possible. Yes. Uh, a few weeks after that against the Tannehill or Jordan Love or when you face Watson again or, you know, Josh Dobbs down the line in December or Mac Jones or whoever may be taking snaps for Indy when you play them the week before Christmas. Uh, against all those teams, your pass rush can, can steal a game for you. But when we start to face quarterbacks in a couple weeks like Lamar Jackson, I know he hasn't had success against the Steelers in the past, but I, I, I don't count them out. Um, Mm -hmm. When we start to face Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow and Burrow again, and maybe Gino uh, at the end of the year, Lamar again. Um, Those are the instances where the pass rush can be great. I still don't know if it's enough to win you the game, right? Let's, let's assume your defense still goes out against those teams and scores two touchdowns. I'm sorry. All of those offenses are going to do more than score two touchdowns against you. Um, this this consistently is trending toward a race to 20 every week. 
<laughs> and it, it's what brings me back around to the offense now, which is what tells you this offense can score 20 points? If their defense does not score or put them in extremely short field <laughs> situations, what have we seen that tells us they can get in in position to score three or four times? I don't see it. Can I go back to Sunday night after the game and you ask sure. me the question, how many times have we seen the Steelers defense help them win games like this where the offense can't score? After that show, Chris, I went back and looked it up. And I, I put a I put a particular time marker on this. Mm -hmm. Since week three of 2019, that was Micah Fitzpatrick's first game as a Steeler. Right. Since that game, the Steelers have won 39 games out of 64. Out of those 39 wins, 27 of them have come in situations that were just like Sunday night against Cleveland, where the defense gave up 22 points or less, and they won the turnover margin. 27 times in the equivalent of four full seasons. That has happened for this team, which tells you two things. One, this defense isn't getting a as much credit as it probably should. That's one thing. Two, this offense still is not doing enough, and it hasn't been for some time now. So these are two things that sit there at direct relationship against each other. So which makes your question even more valid because if they can keep Vegas to 22, I like the Steelers chances in this game. But more importantly, if we can keep that, if we can see that trend continue of Vegas continuing to turn the ball over and not forcing turnovers, because right now they're at a minus four. You can get them in a minus two, minus three in this game. 22 points doesn't sound that unreasonable for limiting Vegas. But here's the question. Can you score 22, right. 23? Or if your defense is getting you a touchdown, can you score 16, 17 to help push you past this, this Vegas team? Because if you can't, and we have no, no evidence, Chris, as you say, mm -hmm. we have no evidence to suggest that it's possible at the moment. That's what it's going to come down to. We got to see if this this offensive line can deal with Tyree Wilson, who's you know replacing Chandler Jones because we don't know when he's going to be back with that team for whatever reason, right. and Max Crosby on the other side, who really is the disruptor on that that front for them. Don't forget, we got to figure out how this team does in the passing game because you got a real familiar face out there at corner and Marcus Peters. He's a guy who's been pretty good in coverage, and he's not going to be somebody who could just roll over and expect, a, expect your passing game to just have a great day. So all of this comes back around, and you still got to figure out if you can run the ball because, oh, yeah, that their late leading tackler right now, he's a familiar face. We all know Rob Spillane. Mm, you figure he's going to try to make a hit or two. So all yep. of this comes around to can, can you figure out this identity that even the players themselves, Kenny Pickett admitting, hey, we don't have an identity yet. Can you figure it out and find it in time to help your defense do this job a little bit better and come out of the, with a win that they don't have to earn for you again? And and that's why I worry that they they can't. I, I don't think it's an, I don't think six days it's a legit worry is is enough time to to suddenly remember what you're supposed to be built around on offense. And what's crazy is, you know, the the, the team was to be built in the off season around the idea of. I would like to think anyway, consistency on both sides. And what I mean by that is consistently churning out, you know, consistency and efficiency maybe on both sides of the ball. Um, way. And instead, what they've become about on both sides of the ball is big plays in, in both directions. Like on the offensive side of the ball, without the 71-yard touchdown pass to George Pickens, they're dead in the water last week. Before, no before Nick Chubb, even after Nick Chubb gets hurt. 
on defense, it's all about strip sacks, picks, um, big hits on quarterbacks, turnovers. That that's it. I I get that. That for about 25 years, 20, 25 years has been the backbone of Steelers defense. We're going to make the the quote unquote splash plays, right? That's what we do is we come up big. We might bend, but we're never going to break. And conversely, we're going to cause you to break when you least expect it, even if you've been marching up and down the field on us. Mm -hmm. Instead, what we've got is, yeah, you're marching up and down the field on us, but now if, if our guys don't show up, in that moment that you're, you're going to just keep marching up and down the field on us. Um, At the very least you can hope to hold them to three. If they make a mistake, that's about it. And on the offensive side, again, there's no consistent, efficient moving of the football. It's a negative play back to the line of scrimmage, negative play behind the sticks punt. It's negative play incomplete sack punt. It's, a negative play, a two-yard run. Oh, we hit George Pickens, 71-yard touchdown. Um, it's that boom or bust mentality that this offense in this organization as a whole is not supposed to be built around. It's supposed to be built around dependable, consistent efficiency. And I don't see how you change that overnight or at least within the time frame of six days. I don't think you can. You might have already pointed to the answer to that question and a few different things you just mentioned. You talked about, you know, lack of movement with the ball on offense. You talked about negative plays and you talked about pretty much just no efficiency. And we thought, at least we were under the impression that this organization, that this this general manager in this front office, we were under the impression that they fixed this problem. During the offseason, we were under the impression that this offensive line was going to be somewhat rebuilt, if not even at the very least rejuvenated. We were mm-hmm. under that impression. But you you pointed it out. Negative plays, whether on first and second down, you know what that tells me? It tells me your offensive line is not getting off the ball and hitting people. It tells me they're not protecting well enough in passing situations. And the numbers, the empirical evidence suggests that. We talked about the pass block grades from PFF. They didn't look too great for this offensive line for any of the five guys. So that's something that screams out to me. And also I want to give a shout out to Alex Kazora. He pointed something out too and says, look, we're not seeing this team as far as the run game, getting these guards moving and pulling, Mm. which is a huge concern because if we want to talk about run game, you want to talk about traditions and what we've seen from this franchise, running the ball with pulling guards and those guys creating holes in space is one of the trademarks of what this yeah. this offense was previously able to do. And Alex was right with, with Jerry Mullins opening up stuff for Franco and Rocky and Dirt Dawson. Well, granted, he was a center, but he pulled like he a guard. He still pulled, yeah. <laughs> and Alan Fanica pulled like a guard, opening up holes for Jerome Bettis and David DeCastro opening holes for Le'Veon Bell. There has to be that shift in dynamic to, okay, whether it's Daniels on one side – Please let me see Isaac Sayomalu come across the formation and take someone out. Please yes. give that to me because that's what we want to see this offense do. We got to see this offensive line get a stronger push up front. Yes, I know some of the play calling has been bad, but it is not the sole problem on this team because right now they can call the best run play for down the distance, and I don't know if it's going to get blocked right in order to get yardage. I don't mm. think that matters if you can't execute it right. Get off the ball fire off, hit people, or at the very least, don't let them get past you. You might not even need to push them three yards, but just keep them at bay so they don't have their hands 
or their presence in your backfield in your yeah. running back's face. I think that is the start of it on the run side of it. I think that is the start of it on the passing side of it. I think Kenny Pickett is getting really jittery. I think he leaves mostly clean looking pockets or potentially clean pockets because he's so worried about how long that protection is going to hold up because it generally has generally has not held up. I don't care what offense you run. I don't care what scheme you have, what quarterback you have, what weapons you have. You can't do much of anything if you can't get a push up front. And we have seen way too much evidence in these first two games that that has not happened. And if there's a window for that to change or a window to maybe start pushing in a different direction, and I use that push all pun intended, mm-hmm. now is the time because you're yep. running out of opportunity to do it. Yep. Week three and week four have to be the time where you find your offensive identity and somehow do it in wins. That's the thing. And we said this on Monday night in a post game. They could somehow pull, they could somehow get through these next two weeks, look up, be three and one somehow. And still, because of the teams that they're playing, we might be no closer to knowing what this offense's identity is. Now, it's insane. It's insane. It's also entirely possible things could go sideways in Vegas and again in Houston. And the offense looks just as bad as it did weeks one and week two. And we're talking about a one and three team, conversely going up against the Ravens for the first time. And that's when you'll really be in serious trouble. If you still haven't you, found an identity of some sort. And you can't afford to have that happen in Houston. Mm-mm. Maybe again, maybe in, in Vegas, short week, nationally televised game, you're on the road. You you can make, you can make some concession for it. You could say, okay, that does factor against it. You cannot go on the road to Houston and look that bad on offense. No, sir. It will not go well. It wouldn't go well on any kind of level if you can't figure it out by then. That's just the absolute. You want to talk about rock bottom? That'll be it right there. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so that is building the game plan brought to you by insert your home improvement or construction contracting business here. Alongside Josh Taylor, I'm Chris Mack. It is fourth down in the Steel City. No, I'm, I'm serious. Like you, you just hit one of us on social media we'll we'll get the salespeople involved it'll happen um make sure you're following make sure you are downloading ratings uh reviewing subscribing to all of our content whether it be on the youtube page of 937thefan.com or inside your odyssey app a-u-d-a-c-y it's free download it today and take us with you wherever you are going and whatever you are doing spotify stitcher soundcloud google play and of course itunes were available there as well and we look forward how this plays out Sunday night. Don't forget, Sunday night, post-game, we will once again be live on 93.7 The Fan's YouTube page for a live edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City. It'll get posted. I'm bringing snacks again. <laughs> I, I'm I got to, snacks. Let's I'm go. Gonna, I'm going to have to bring the brown liquor again, most likely, I, depending on what we see. By and, all means. Let's do it. <laughs> we will be here for a live edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City. Check out your social media. The links will be up. Uh, throughout the evening on Sunday so you can join us live and, of course, comment with us right along there uh, during the show on Sunday night. And then, again, like I said, it will be posted as a podcast after the fact that you can't stay up late following the game against the Raiders on Sunday night. But fingers crossed, knock on wood, we're talking about a 2-1 and Pittsburgh Steelers team somehow coming out of it Sunday night. Again, for Greg Finley, our producer, alongside Josh Taylor, I'm Chris Mack. This has been another edition of 4th Down in Steel City.